Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening the offseason isn't over fam chuck is not done who knows what he's still got up his sleeve uh we're gonna talk about a whole lot today but Derek broussard's here that's kind of cool that's a big old move. Well, it's a move. Something happened. Travis Sanheim also It was resigned. a big old move back in, <laughs> you know, 2010. Hey, we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm doing my intro, Steph. You talk after Sorry. I say your name. Sorry. Let's get to the intros, and let's lead it off with the lovely Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I'm I'm going to start this out on a real bummer note. Oh, um, so Kevin Hayes' brother, oh, Jimmy yeah. Hayes, died this week. And, like, I'm real fucked up about it. Like, I never covered him. I didn't know him, obviously. But he was 31, had two really young kids. Um, it's awful. Like, just awful. Like, I can't. There's There's a lot of, like, personal stuff that I'm tying back to him dying, like, my mom was real young when she died and had two young kids. And, like, I was 31 when I had my stroke. So I'm tying a lot to it. But holy fuck. Like, I'm I'm real upset about this. And I can't – like, I saw Kevin's Instagram post, which I'm not going to pull up and read. But at the end, he said, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be the same. And, like, I felt that. So Yeah, I mean, I can't I'm, fucking imagine. I, I I can't imagine. My brother's 31. My brother's twins were born on the same day as Jimmy Hayes' youngest son. Like, it's 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 unimaginable. Um, and it's, it's, it's just really sad. So um, my heart goes out to the entire Hayes family and everyone. And, and I, can't, I just can't imagine how Kevin Hayes is, is just going to be a human after this like i i couldn't imagine being a human if my brother died yeah and like we all expect like kevin hayes in his limited time here it's only been like two abbreviated seasons but you know we we know him as funny you know character kevin hayes and like i can't imagine like okay time to put on that face right now like that shit that sucks like i just i yeah like saw it and i was like wait hockey player jimmy hayes wait that's oh, that's that fuck. Like I cannot. Yeah. That's it's that's a real sad situation right there. Like I, it is, it is. And the autopsy came back inconclusive, which when you're yeah. young and die suddenly, like that happens. Um, it just it sucks. It sucks, and I I feel I feel for Kevin like a lot. And to tie it back to the Flyers, obviously, but Kevin Hayes is one of us. Like, he's ours. So now I feel like I need to protect him and wrap him in a blanket and feed him brownies on my couch. Yeah, I mean, it was... I think that he would like the brownies. I mean, I would hope he would like Who the brownies. Who doesn't like stuff. brownies? Exactly. You know, only sociopaths don't like brownies, so... 
is true. No, so it, we're it's, starting it's, the show on a real yeah, downer. I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing, obviously. Um, you know, just for that whole family. There, that whole family apparently is just like kind of institutions up in Boston. Um, yeah. So like Kevin and Jimmy and everybody, uh, the dad I believe as well. Um, so it's just it's just really terrible, and it seems like you know he really touched a lot of people. Um, I think you know one thing that you know we kind of have joked about it this summer. Um, but it, in a way, like, I mean, obviously no one could have known this was coming, but you know, we've kind of joked about the fact that like, we're getting all of Kevin Hayes's friends to join the team this year. And, yeah. you know, in a way, like, you know, maybe that's a good thing because I mean, these are, you know, his buddies for years and they can be there for him, you know, if he, you know, at points during the year, if he needs some help. Um, so that, that made me feel, you know, a little bit better, but, but obviously it's, it's a real tragedy and, you know, obviously our, our hearts go out to Kevin and his family. That's a really great point, and I'm glad that you said that because now I feel like I need the whole gang to come over wrapped in blankets and <laughs> I did want to bring this up, but since like you mentioned it now, um, and Kelly, I, I yeah, I haven't introduced Charlie or Kelly yet, but does it mean something that they're kind of I won't say building around Kevin Hayes, but like. It seems as if he's influential or they see him as like a real key cog in this thing and we need to like bring in his buddies. Like is there something we should read into that? So I think the only thing to read into is he's the 2C. I I think that's about it. Like there was um <laughs> I'm laughing now, but the possibility that Nolan Patrick was going to take over the 2C role and obviously that's not going to happen anymore for multiple reasons. It was down and to Nolan Patrick or Charlie of- and they went they 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 decided to bring in Derek Broussard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> But I I think what they're saying is like this is our two C so let's keep him happy and he obviously I mean he, the Hayes family has ties throughout all of hockey the the Kachuk's yeah, are that's their the, cousins the Fitzgeralds yeah. are their cousins like everyone is related hockey is so incestuous but it real it's insane like yeah like like we were just saying with Jimmy Hayes like yeah played in the league second round pick like just like what. I can't imagine, like, uh, let's just, fine, let's get to the intros now. Uh, from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back, guys. It's been a, a few weeks, actually, because obviously we took last week off, and then I was on vacation the week before, so uh, extreme stain voice, it's been a while, but um, <laughs> definitely... <laughs> I don't think any of us could pull off the voice, but let's I don't think so. now! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're coming up on the uh, on the season. Like the they're going to have development camp this weekend, which is kind of neat. Um, does not seem like the fans are going to be allowed in. Unfortunately, I think the Flyers were like leaving the door open to potentially doing it, but with you know with delta and the numbers going back up in this area not to like extraordinary degrees but they are going back up i think they just felt it was safer uh, and just a better move all around to uh to keep fans out for now um we'll see how things play out for the season but uh, i'll certainly be there i'll certainly be there covering and my guess is that access will probably be the same as it's been for the last year which is pretty much everything on zoom uh but you know regardless get to talk to the, the the prospects it seems like pretty much if you weren't in college or playing overseas, you're here. So all the junior guys, all the AHL guys, you know, Morgan Frost, the guy, you know, Wade Allison, the guys who got some NHL time last year but didn't quite 
establish themselves as full-time NHLers, they're going to be there. So it should be a, it should be a good time. And you know, obviously follow me on Twitter. If you don't, I'll be tweeting out updates and pictures and videos and stuff. So, Charlie, you you mentioned access. You think it's ever going to get back to normal? Um, honestly, yes. Okay. But I think it'll vary from team to team. I think the, for the Flyers, I do believe it will because I think the Flyers public public relations staff um, kind of knows the importance of access in terms of telling you know telling the stories of the guys and things like that. And the Flyers PR has always had a great relationship with the media. I do suspect there will be some teams that will use this as a way to cut down. Um, I do one one thing I do legitimately wonder about access. Um, is road games because one thing that's been interesting from my perspective about access in the pandemic era is that i actually get more access for road games than i used to because before it was if you didn't go to the road game you didn't get any access which makes sense like you're not there you you didn't travel you didn't you're not in the locker room you're not talking to the coach well now for road games they do zooms so if you're not traveling, you're still getting post-game access on the road. And I do wonder if maybe they will just keep that going. I don't know. It's something I've thought about. It, and I wonder if, like, road games, they may just keep with the video conferencing, which would be interesting because then it's like, well, then why are you even bother going to road games unless you're working on some type of bigger feature? So just some, some things I've been thinking about. But uh, my guess is that considering, you know, the fact that, Clearly, the pandemic is not yet over. I would guess that the start of this season will probably be pretty similar to last in terms of us not being allowed in the locker room and stuff. But I think eventually we will get back in. All right. I just, yeah, yeah. And I think that the Players Association, no, I'm sorry, the, um, the Professional Hockey Writers Association is, will eventually get involved yeah. if they keep access to, like, at an arm's reach. Because that's something that the Professional Hockey Writers Association really fights for. Um, Eventually, they'll get involved. Obviously, not now because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Imagine, like, the organizations going up against another union and being like, wait, they have demands? I kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, Things get here? I'm sorry. The PHWA isn't really a union, <laughs> yeah, I but know, I, know. I mean, similar yeah. concepts. <laughs> you mean we can't just tell them what the deal is? What the fuck? Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Henkel. I'm not used to going last. I've lost all of my intro steam. I think I'm going to buy some Flyers tickets. Ooh. I haven't been to a game in like three or four seasons. I think the last season that I went to the game stuff was whatever year we did the half Leafs, half Flyers fan okay. game. Which was, that was the Eric Lindros year. Yeah, so it was a while ago. Oh, but wow. I'm, for a long time, I haven't felt that excited about the Flyers for obvious reasons. And then there was that whole pandemic situation. But now I feel like I'm excited enough that I'm going to spend um, too many dollars on a hockey ticket. I'm pretty psyched about it. No, I swear, like... I... Go ahead, Steph. Oh, I am also going to do that. But I think that mine are going to have to be out of market. I'll come up. I'll come up to Philly for a game. But I'm definitely going to go to Carolina. And I'm going to try for Nashville. Ooh. Because they're close-ish. And by close, I mean, you know, within four to six hours. Ooh. Can we make the Nashville trip like a, um, a plan? Because I would like to come to Nashville. Yeah. Hey, Hi. fans of Philly, 
Yeah, right? Are you listening? They're already doing one, and I've already reached out to them. The problem (laughs) with Fans of Philly for Nashville is that they had a Nashville trip planned pre-COVID and had to cancel it, so all of the people had already paid. Ah. Um, So they don't have a ton of spots for people who were not signed up pre-COVID. Understandable. Um, But that doesn't mean that we can't do our own thing. So um, I just want someone to pay for me. Precisely. I know. Um, I have not gotten to the point where I'm planning for in-season stuff yet, but kind of pencil it into your calendar. Those Specifically those two, if you're out of market and want to travel to a game. Um, I also want to go to Vegas again this year, but if, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Stay tuned. I'm working on home opener stuff right now. Awesome. Not in-season stuff, yeah. but I, Kelly, I'll come up. I'll go to a Flyers game with you. I'll come up. Yeah. Now, like, I, uh, last weekend, I went to two concerts and a wrestling show, and, like, I miss that shit so bad. Like, I can't wait to do things. I, I realize, like, you know, like Charlie said, it's not over, Delta variant, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, I am more excited to do these things because they were off the table for a year. Like we can yeah. all we can go to a Flyers game anytime. Like I live five minutes from the goddamn stadium, and like you know, I cover the Check team. I can go whenever I want. I just haven't because I don't care to, and it's like ah, I'll go some other time. But now I'm like I want to fucking do this stuff because I had no idea how tenuous it was. I didn't know it could just be taken away. I didn't I realize know. that. Yeah, so right. now that I do, like I want to just do shit I love because uh, I, you know. Jesus Christ, it could just go away again, right. and that would just be the worst. And as as we're talking about COVID and the Delta variant, just, you know, still be careful. Just today, one of my coworkers uh, tested positive for COVID. She's vaccinated. She had been living safe, but went to go visit family overseas in England and came back with COVID. So just be really careful. Those goddamn dirty bastard English. Like... You know, just <laughs> it's not raging over here or anything. Once a week. <laughs> once a week. Are we doing the bathing discourse again? No, we're can't getting do into it the, again. I can't. I'm do not it getting again. sidetracked. I, we got it. We got to get the Derek Broussard. We're already like 20 minutes in. We are we 15 minutes yeah. in, and we haven't talked about anything. Flyers. Ooh, we haven't we said go shit. an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, it was like, oh no, <laughs> Steph has a hard out, but we'll probably hit it anyway. Like, no, we fucking won't. <laughs> Yeah, let's. Oh, I gotta be. I gotta be out at twelve. So let's start at eleven. Yeah, good luck with all that. Um, <laughs> Derek Broussard signs with the Philadelphia Flyers, one year, eight hundred and twenty-five k. I wanted my little take at the beginning too, because we said it uh, off-air pre-show. The Flyers are becoming more annoying, and I really <laughs> fucking feel that, man. Like. Do you know since 2013-14, only 16 players in the whole league have more goals against the Flyers than Derek Broussard? He's got nine. Like, he scores against them a lot. Uh, and he keeps playing. Like, what, regardless of what you feel about Derek Broussard, he keeps ending up on these, like, pretty good teams. He's constantly in the Eastern Conference Final. He's been to a few Stanley Cups. Uh... He just seems like one of those guys that good teams have 
And I'm glad he's here. Like, that's my whole takeaway from the signing. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's 3C. We'll see. Uh, Morgan Frost. We'll see about all this shit. But the fact that they're just being becoming a little more annoying to play against, they're just becoming a little bit more, not just veteran-laden, but, like, experience-laden. You can have a guy who's been in the league forever and never done shit. Derek Broussard has been everywhere, and he's won a bunch of games, and he's won three playoff series alone against the Flyers. The guy's won more playoff series, like, in his career than the Flyers have in 15 years. So, I... I think it's a pretty good ad. What do you guys think about this Broussard news? I was a little, like, shocked by it. I was like, wait. Same. I've heard of him, and they signed him now? Interesting. I am, yeah. um... I mean, it's his fifth fifth Metro team, so that's cool. He's got some good insight on the competition. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about, because uh, we've heard for so long, so long, nonstop, about how good the Islanders' depth players are. Now we have one of them. So that means we're going to be good now. That's how it works. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I kind of go back to something, Bill, that you were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was the last show I was on about what you liked about the Yandel signing, which is that, you know, they're, they have backup plans now. You know, they have backup plans, specifically when it came to Cam York and arguably, arguably Igor Zamola, who in theory is you know, in the mix in camp, and I think he's a step below York in terms of likelihood. Um, but they bring in somebody like Keith Yandel, and then it becomes, okay, well, it's not just we're giving Cam York a spot. He's got to win it. And most likely, considering the fact that Yandel's still a decent enough player, good chance he won't win it, and it's not the end of the world. York goes down in the minors, hopefully kicks ass down there, and then comes up when Yandel starts to slip or when York plays just so well down there that you can't hold him down any longer. Well, the Broussard signing strikes me as similar, just looking at Morgan Frost. And the thing with Broussard, which people should understand, is that even though he can play center, like obviously in the prime of his career, he was pretty much exclusively a center. And he still can do it. I think the Flyers believe he can play every single position. It, you know, well, the four backup goalie um, certainly yeah. can't play goal, and they probably don't want him <laughs> Sammy Kappen in it and playing defense either. Um, but anyway, um, he's not a great center anymore. Like he, he basically had a really, really bad year in 2018, 2019, when the Penguins tried to use him as their three C behind Crosby and Malkin. That year was a total disaster. He ended up getting traded to Florida, getting traded to Colorado. He was bad everywhere. So then he signs with the Islanders the year that, that, that we were talking about and they started him out at center and he was bad there. And what eventually happened is they eventually ended up moving him to wing on a line, I believe, with Brock Nelson and Anthony Bavillier. And then he worked well there. Like, that worked. He was fine. He actually scored a decent amount of points and whatnot. Then he goes to Arizona. And from the people I talked to in Arizona, basically, he came to Arizona and he flat out said, like, to the organization, to the media, like, I don't think I'm a center anymore. I think I can provide the most value at wing. Well... He played wing, and then guys got, like, hurt, and I think a couple guys got traded, and then he started playing center again, and, like, he wasn't terrible there. He wasn't amazing, but he wasn't terrible there. So this isn't a signing where it's, like, you're, you're signing Derek Broussard, and he's just, like, all right, he's the 3C. Like, he can play it. And if Morgan Frost, coming off of, you know, surgery and not having played in almost a year, if he's not playing well in camp— Derek Broussard could very easily start out the season as 3C, but I think there's going to be a lot more 
like flexibility. I don't think they look at it as we're signing Derek Broussard to be the three C until Morgan Frost is ready. Mm-hmm. I think there's this like we're signing Derek Broussard because he's cheap because he can play a lot of positions with one of those positions being center, but. We also have Scott Lawton who can play center. We also have Claude Giroux who can play center. Like, they have other guys where, like, Broussard is more, like, going to be in the mix mm-hmm. if Frost isn't ready and just adds another option. But I don't think he's viewed by the organization as, like, okay, he's the set it and forget it Frost stopgap. Like, he'll be in the mix, and they believe he can play the middle still, but, like, don't look at him as, like, he's the 3C until it's Morgan Frost's job. Like, I don't think that's the way it's going to work out. Can I negative Nancy this thing? Okay. Because I'm not sure I believe this, but I do think that it's something to think about. So he played for Allen before. um, (laughs) And one of the things that I worry about. I had to like be like, what the fuck is she talking about? He's Allen. It's like, who is Allen? Elaine has not earned the right yet to be called Elaine. We call him Allen. Allen. It's just me, but that's okay. So I worry about the whole giving the coach toys to play with that we might not want him to. So like, let's say as Charlie just described, Derek Broussard starts at three C, but like at several points in his career is not a good three C by, you know, several metrics, but Elaine Vino really likes him. So he's going to stay at three C despite the fact that he's actively hurting the team. Like it's not like that's out of the realm. We've seen that a million times with a million NHL coaches and we've seen it with Vino specifically. So that's the only thing I worry about with signings like Broussard and Thompson is that they might end up being Dan Girardi and we don't need that shit in my opinion. No, that's a, I think it's a, I think it's a viable concern. It's it's absolutely a viable concern. The one argument I'll make against that is that, like, based on what I've seen from Vino in Philly, and I'm not. This is not like what I've seen from him in New York, because New York was a different thing, and there were absolutely situations like the Andrew where a guy was bad and he just kept being used in first pair of minutes. Um, my thing is that. I could see that happening, the scenario you're playing you're playing out in your head, if, like, Broussard's a third-line center, he's not playing that well, but the team is winning. Okay. And then Vigneault's like, well, team's winning. I like the way this mix is going. I'm just going to keep him there because it's working. And that would really tick us off because it's like, ah, look at Morgan Frost. He's point per game in minors. Why are you keeping him down? But, like, at the same time, I'd rather the team be winning than losing. You're not wrong, Charles. But, like, (laughs) I think if the team starts losing and someone like Broussard is there, I think they would call up a Morgan Frost. So, like, it's, it's one of those deals where I think a lot of it may be dependent upon team success. Because I do believe, and this sort of plays into kind of what happened last year, I do believe there was a feeling, you know, last year, and it drove a lot of these offseason moves, that the mix just wasn't right. So if 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 they go with this veteran mix, you know, with these these guys at the bottom lineup or more vet types, and the team's winning, I could easily see them convincing themselves that, like, well, that's the reason why we're winning is because the mix is better. And even if, you know, Derek Broussard's metrics aren't good, he's part of this nebulous mix that's making things work the way they did in last year, so let's keep him there. So, like, I could see that scenario play out. If the team's losing with him there and he's playing poorly, then I think they'll call Frost up. So I've got like a couple points to make um, 
another thing that I've noticed from Elaine Vigneault in Philly is that the lineups are never the same for three games in a row. Like he uses a blender on the lineups consistently, whether they're winning or losing shit's getting stirred up. Um, so I'm not particularly worried about that. Um, I also think that there could be some value in bringing him guys and skill sets that he's comfortable with. And he knows, Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, negative bias around giving the coach his toys, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad and they're going to harm the team. Like we don't know that yet. Um, And then just to kind of completely go off just a little bit more, I'm starting to wonder about Morgan Frost. You know, he was drafted a long time ago (laughs) and now we've got two GMs that are just not really interested in getting him in the lineup now I'm not saying that he won't make the lineup or that he's not talented but I- I'm starting th- there's a there's some question marks there you know in the sure. beginning it was well he's not big enough he's not big enough but now we're what five years past his draft date like what is actually happening here there was the injury last year which sucked but again you know, the, his spot is not clear. Like, wh- where does he actually fit in this lineup? There's no spot for him. And that's like what Char- and they keep and the two GMs, two general managers, have made it clear that there's no clear spot for Morgan Frost right now. I'm just, uh, I'm just starting to raise my eyebrows. What's going on there? I, I like what Charlie said about the the options, like. Okay, Broussard could be the 3C. He could play up and down in the lineup. We'll figure out a place for him. Like, Frost is in the mix. Lawton can do it. You know, Giroux is always there. If we need a center, we can throw him in there. But, like, I think it's good to have these options. And the familiarity with with Vigneault, yeah, you don't want a guy like Broussard to become a Vandevelde. But also, unless Broussard starts putting his skates on the wrong fucking feet, like he's just a better, <laughs> like he's just a better player. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he can actually play in the league still. Yeah, maybe he's not a star or anything. He's not going to have the twenty-seven goals he had a few years ago with Vigneault. But like, he's going to go out there and be a competent NHLer, and that's good. Uh, when we talk about the mix and like the attitudes and who was maybe clashing with the coach and everything, well. Here's a veteran who's been through it, who's been through it with this coach, and maybe can help like push that narrative and help the young kids understand what the coach is trying to get out of them because he's been a young kid playing for this coach before. So I think like his value, uh, it, like for 825k, whether he's in the lineup or not, like it's definitely worth bringing him in. Now, yeah, if he sucks, like you can always play Scott Lawton or Morgan Frost uh, in those positions. Morgan Frost, I mean, listen, he's still young, and like he's, it's pretty clear he's not going to be a star. Like, guys who are stars are usually stars by now. I think we can get it out of our head that, like, oh, Morgan Frost is the future. Maybe he t- turns into a nice player, and it's like, oh, that's a luxury to have him at 3C. But I don't think, like, maybe he becomes as productive as we wanted Nolan Patrick to be when we gave up on Patrick. Like, all right, if he can just fucking play. Yeah, like, but if he could just be, if he could just be an NHL or cool, like if he could just be that three C, and if not, they have the options. So I, I like the move, but there's definitely, there is definitely other questions that come with it. Like, 
all right, so where do these guys fit? But like we said a few weeks ago, it's nice that the backup isn't going to be like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to, like, Nate Thompson's now our 3C like he was a couple years. Like, at least it's not that, you know? Yeah, I just I just think that a lot of, not all, well, I mean, I guess to an extent all, but they don't all fall into this bucket, this particular bucket. A lot of the offseason strategy of Chuck Fletcher, it's very much been informed by what went wrong last season and I'm specifically talking about the blind faith that the younger players are just going to be able to do it like there was a lot of blind faith placed in somebody like you know a lot of blind faith faith placed in Nolan Patrick last season like okay well he's back and he's just going to be be fine and he'll play and a lot of blind faith placed that Oscar Limblom was going to be good coming off of cancer treatments you know less than 12 months before there was a lot of blind faith that Phil Myers was going to be able to be a top four NHL defenseman and possibly even a top pair NHL defenseman. Like there was a lot of faith placed in young guys. And I think what you're seeing with a lot of these moves is that it's not that they don't, it's not, they don't think it's possible that Cam York can make the team out of camp. It's not, they don't think it's possible that Morgan Frost can be the three C right off the bat. It's that they don't want to put themselves in position where it's just assumed that they're going to be able to do it. And they're trying to protect themselves against the possibility that these young kids just might not be ready yet or might not be ready to deliver what they need them to deliver. So they're coming up with, you know, look, Derek Broussard, even if he plays his best, is not going to be a great third-line center. But... He'll be a better third-line center than, you know, Connor Bunneman or obviously mm-hmm. Nate Thompson, I would think, at least from a scoring standpoint. And had you not gotten him, just as just as if had you not gotten Keith Yandel, you were basically just looking at it as like, all right, well, really hope Cam York's ready because if he's not, Sam Moran's playing 80 games this year. Like, <laughs> and, and that's not a great – but you, you see what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's yeah. what a lot of these moves I feel like have been intended to do, which is like, let's – Let's hedge our bets. Let's protect ourselves against the possibility that the young guys aren't ready. If they are ready, great, and we'll use them. That's the only thing that you you kind of – there's a little red flag there because you're like, well, what if they are ready and you still don't use them? But, again, that's like a we'll cross this bridge when we come to it sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's – One of my – one of my very dearest friends said this, and and they're going to be anonymous, said this in a group chat yesterday – Chuck Fletcher, last offseason. Trust the kids. Chuck Fletcher, this offseason. Fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh, and, uh, like, after what happened, like, I, I really appreciate the strategy, though. Like, uh, like I said with Yandel, it's nice to have options. I think Yandel has some sort of no-trade protection or something, but... Like, there's always a market for a Keith Yandel or a Derek Broussard. It might be a fucking fifth-round pick or something, but, like... You can get rid of these guys. If Morgan Frost is ready and there's no obvious spot for uh, for Broussard, eh, you know, goodbye, see ya. Like, someone will take him. You're not going to just have a hole in your lineup. Like, you can you can figure these things out. So, I, I'm appreciative of the strategy, especially after the way last year went. Like, last year is the first year the Flyers actually had expectations, and they failed to meet them to a dramatic degree. So, uh, you know, like, another year like that, like, Chuck Fletcher is going to be looking for fucking work. Now, it's hockey, so he'll have, like, a better job. 
But, you know, <laughs> yeah, he'll be the fucking commissioner or something after he loses this job. But, like, if it doesn't work, it's he's out. They're going to bring in someone new. So I, I do uh, I do appreciate the strategy. All right. Uh, <laughs> any Time for a break, fir- Bill? What? Oh, yeah, break. Yeah, we should do that. Um, all right. So we're going to pause for a commercial and... Uh, do whatever it tells you to do. Like, go sign up for something, listen to a podcast, whatever, and then uh, we'll be with you on the other side. All right, fam, we are back. Uh, before we move on to the Travis Sanheim contract, any further words on Derek Broussard, or have we stretched out this late summer depth signing as far as we possibly can? <laughs> No, I think that's about it. But I gotta say, <laughs> we're a half hour in, and I'm having a blast. That's, I, I'm yeah. having a great time on this show. <laughs> if we, I honestly like, we needed that week off. Like, we took the week, yeah. and then look, they did stuff. You know, they, yep. They, let's talk about the other thing they did. Travis Sign, San, Travis. Gee, what am I saying? Travis Sign. Travis Sign. Hi. Yeah. Get it. Yeah, that, oh, I should have just gone with that. Travis Sanheim. <laughs> yeah, uh, Travis Sanheim, two years, $4.675 million average annual value, $9.35 million total. Uh, his last contract was $3.25 million AAV, so substantial raise for a guy who uh, wasn't very good last year. Uh, is this just... How is he... How is he worth this much money? I, this is, it's not going to be, I'm not like bashing Travis Sanheim. It's going to get to a point I'm going to make in a few minutes, but like, God damn, they seem to have a lot of money wrapped up in like this, this roster as a whole. Let's just get to it now. They have like under four. Well, did this go to arbitration? No. No, they, they agreed to a deal. Arbitration, I believe was scheduled for today. I think it was the 20, it was either the 25th or the 26th, but they agreed to the deal on Saturday. So arbitration was no longer needed. The Flyers have like under 400k in cap space according to Cap Friendly. They have 22 guys on the NHL roster. They're at 50 contracts. I don't know. Shouldn't the roster overall be better? Like Who when says you look it at it. <laughs> when I read this I got upset. So you go. No, I like uh, the amount that this team has accomplished says it isn't. Like now listen, if TK and Provi and all these guys that we were depending on last year do bounce back, yes. The roster looks better. But overall... Hold on. We jumped from Sanheim no. to the whole roster. Well, B- Bill, Bill wants to talk about how he's annoyed that they're paying guys money, so therefore <laughs> the team should be great. Yeah. No, not great. Go back. I just think like they should rewind. have better players considering the amount of money they're spending. That's- I rewind. No. Travis Sanheim, number one... Did not play exceptionally poorly last season. He was all right. Travis Sandheim was a second pairing defenseman, a, a second pair defenseman paired with Phil Myers, who did play terrible last season and did not earn a roster spot on this team next year. So there's that. Um, he got paid roughly what a second pair defenseman gets paid. He's a big dude. He's young. Is he young anymore? Can we? Call I'm not him upset young? by this contract. I mean, he's, he's, he's not young. I'm not upset he's, by he's, it. He's in his prime. It's an aggressively fine deal. It's fine. It's fine. Right. Like, what did you want to see him get paid less than yeah, what he was getting thing. paid like, before? You don't go down in salary. 
That's not how things work. So he was going to get a not raise. Not when you were in your 20s. Yeah, he but was going to get a raise go, regardless. You go up a million and a half after having a worse year than the year prior? I don't know. Yes. I mean, kind That's the market. that is actually kind of how it works. Um, especially when That's you're used, when you're used more, which he was. He had the most time on ice per game last season than he had in his entire career. And the way these bridge deals end up getting set up, like y- you position yourself, he was arbitration eligible, so you're going. They were going to throw things out there like minutes played and points scored and things like that. He was going to get a raise in arbitration without a doubt. They were, no way the arbitrator was going to come back and be like, "Yeah, he's getting three mil. Sorry." Have fun, Travis. Like he was getting the raise. I had projected. I thought he was going to probably get somewhere. If it was a, a like a two year deal, I thought he was going to get somewhere between four and four and a half. So we got a little bit more than I thought. But this deal did not surprise me. In this, like there were a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people in my comment section that got aggressively angry when, like, so when I when I do my off season articles. I always started out by writing articles projecting what the RFAs are going to get because what that allows me to do, number one, I think it's interesting. But number two, it allows me to, when I'm doing my cap projections, because I know that those guys might not get signed until after you know trades and free agency happen, it allows me to just sort of like plug a number in as a placeholder to be like, all right, this is around the range I think they're going to get. Now let's talk about like how the cap situation works, assuming that they get what I projected. Well, with Sanheim, I believe I projected $4.75 million as his eventual cap hit, and people got really mad about that. And it was like, how could he possibly get that much, considering the year he had last year? Like, I wouldn't even give him three mil. And it's like, it's not really how it and works, And that's not guys. what I'm saying. It's not how and it works. And also, he's, there's a, a lot of Flyers fans that seem to think that Travis Sanheim sucks, which is just remarkable to me. Well, he doesn't He's do very polarizing. Hits. That's the thing. He's he doesn't do hits. He does and the, he's very big. Exactly. And he's suffering from James Van Rees. Exactly. Okay. There, the there is there is a lot of that. Is. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of he's there's a lot of the physical thing, and then there's a lot of the Matt Carl thing, where like when Travis Sandheim screws up, he screws up big, and that sticks in people's heads. Like I'm thinking back to the game. I don't know if this led to a goal, but it was just it's it, this is the kind of thing that sticks in people's heads when like he was skating he with fell the puck. Over. And he just like kept skating until he skated himself into the boards, yeah, and it was I just like, that. dude, like, like you, you were like, you, you were literally doing a move that like you do in an EA Sports NHL game when you put your controller down and you have the puck. Yeah. Like that was what he did, and, yeah, like, I and that's saw the kind that. of thing that like when a guy makes those kind of mistakes, it's memorable, and you remember that. And if you're already negatively predisposed to a Travis Sanheim, that's just gonna be like the ultimate confirmation of like, see, I told you he was terrible. I saw that video for the first time in uh, like since it happened the other day, and I was immediately like, "How the f- how did this happen?" Like, I remember watching it now, <laughs> but it was like so. I was, it was like I was seeing it for the first time. I was like, "No, this didn't." And like, no, I saw it happen, but like, I was like, "There's no way he just skated himself headfirst into the boards." Like, there's no way that that just happened. Like, I'm not like I'm not mad yeah, about did. this contract. Yeah, like, I'm not mad about this contract. I don't think it's awful. But here's the thing. Like, I don't think Travis Sanheim is a bad player. I don't think he sticks. Like, I think that's uh, like that's going overboard. I will say, like, in terms of the, well, he doesn't do hits thing. Well, he also, um, 
scored a quarter of a point a game last year. Like, he also doesn't put up numbers. So, uh, he has, a couple of years ago, he had very good, uh, he had very strong production, and much of it at even strength, which is like, oh, get him some power play time and see his scoring. And honestly, like, if he finds himself on a power play unit and his scoring numbers come up, I will think this is a great contract because numbers make people happy. It's It just feels good. Oh, assist by sure, Travis sure. Sanheim on the power play. Cool. Uh, but... I don't know. It, like, how good is he really? Because he's at the age now where he is what he is. Like yeah, he no, is. I, I absolutely believe that. I, I it annoys me when people like who defend. I'm. I would absolutely count myself as a Travis Hanna defender. It annoys me when people on Twitter will be like, "And he's still young. Like he's not real. No, he's 25. Like and, this and is pretty much where 18 year olds make Charles. a difference. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm way older than him too, so it's kind of a shot at me as well. But like. The way that these aging curves work in the NHL, and this is by, you know, people like Eric Tolsky and stuff who have done the research, like, generally speaking, NHL (laughs) players' primes are, like, between the ages of, like, 22 and 26. So, like, he's in the heart of his prime. This is probably what Travis Sanheim is, and maybe, maybe defensemen take a little bit longer, but it's not, like... There's a misconception that, like, defensemen don't become who they're gonna be until they're, like, late 20s, and it's not really backed up by the numbers. Yeah, they're not generally bold. speaking that's when the you're Shen argument. Yeah, when you're in your mid your mid 20s, that's pretty much as good as you're going to get. So this is probably as good as Travis Sanheim is going to get. It's just that I think he's a good number 3. Yes. But then the people who don't like him think he's like barely an NHLer. So that's where the disconnect. The disconnect isn't that like I think Travis Sanheim is going to get better. It's that I think he's already good. And also the market yeah. for defensemen was fucking bonkers this summer. Like, all of them got paid yeah, extraordinarily high yeah. numbers. No, it is true. The 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 contract, I guess, baseline did seem to get boosted up. You know, Which is one remarkable, thing, given the cap situation. Given the cap situation. It's yeah. it's crazy pants. Yeah, but it's, it happened. No, so going back to what Bill said earlier, I do want to make this point. Because I think, Bill, I don't, like, totally agree with your frustration because there are a lot of teams that are slammed up against the cap oh, that, yeah, aren't, yeah. That, that aren't elite like yeah ideally sure but you're you know like the calgary flames are spending the cap and they kind of suck like, there's a lot of teams that are cap teams that aren't good that said i think there's there's a point to be made here about chuck fletcher and about the fact that and, and i think maybe part of this is just due to the fact that you know the flyers haven't been that good. So it's a, it's kind of impossible for you to do the like the Tampa thing of like take less money because you want to be on a winner. Well, yeah. the Flyers haven't been a winner, so you don't really have that leg to stand on. That said, I do think that and this goes back to to something that I I read a few years ago. It was one of those like agent polls that I think we did um we as in the athletic um did a couple years ago like polled a bunch of agents and asked them questions about, you know, players and GMs and coaches and stuff. And one of the questions was, they asked the agents, like, who is the most, like, fair general manager to deal with? And I believe Chuck Fletcher won it. And, like, on one hand... I don't like that. It's, it's not a bad... It's not a bad... Like, on one hand, it's not a bad thing, because, like, I do think it speaks to the fact that, like, Chuck Fletcher's a stand-up guy. Yeah. And, and I think he's respected around the league. Like, he's not someone who's gonna, you know... He's not going to pull a Vegas and, like, promise you you're going to be traded. You're not going to be traded, and then going to trade you without telling you. Like, and that's good, because I do think that plays a role in, you know, agents. If a player's like, hey, I'm on the fence about going to the Philly, and he's like, nah, you can trust Chuck. He's a good dude. That said, I don't get the sense that Chuck Fletcher is the kind of GM that's, like, really going to play hardball. 
with guys in negotiations. So you're not necessarily going to see like guys getting re-signed deals where you think to yourself, man, that's a steal. Because I think Chuck goes into negotiations and it's very much like, you know, let's find a deal that works for, for both sides. And again, not an awful thing because I think there's something to be said about having good relationships with, with agents and players and whatnot. But you're not necessarily going to see, like, you could have really tried to play hardball with Travis Sanheim. You really could. I don't think the Flyers were interested in really trying to play hardball. I think what happened was Sanheim, they wanted to sign Sanheim ideally to a long-term deal. Sanheim wanted, like, probably, like, over 5 mil. Cap it on a long-term deal. So, like, all right, we can't make that work. Let's go to the short term. But, like, I don't think, like, Oscar Limblom, classic example. Like, they gave him $3 million a year coming off of cancer treatments before he even knew if he was going to be able to play in the NHL again. Like, I wasn't mad at that deal because, like, we all love Oscar Limblom, But, like, that's not playing hardball with a guy. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that we kind of have to get used to with Fletcher in that I don't think he's, like, really going to put the screws to players in negotiations, which is why, like— the people who seem to think that like Katuri and Drew are going to get less than what we think on their yeah. next deals, I'm hesitant to believe that because I don't think Fletcher is going to play chicken with these guys. If he wants to bring them back, he's going to bring them back, and it may cost more than people think or want it to cost. So just kind of that that's that's my little thing, and you know maybe I'll be wrong, but I get the impression that like Chuck isn't the kind of guy who's like necessarily going to you know again, like, play chicken with a Sean Couturier, to, like, the way that Colorado did with Landis Cobb. Yeah. Like, to try to get him for as little as possible before caving at the last minute. Like, Chuck decides we're bringing back Sean Couturier. He's going to write the check. And we probably should be prepared for that. All right, let's like, yell about Bill's dumb point now. That's what I want to do. <laughs> let's do that. Okay, that's... So, like I said, the Flyers have 22 guys on the current roster. They're at the 50 contracts. Uh, like, as a whole, I like this offseason. I've been coming on, and I, I think the roster's good, and there's plenty of potential. I just think, like, if... Like, for a team that made zero moves to improve itself for, like, a five-year span, and there's not, like, a ton of elite talent on this roster, they should either have better depth or have more cap space. Like, that's, that's what I'm, that, that's it. I don't think it's a bad team. I don't think Chuck's doing a bad job. I think the team has a chance to be pretty damn good this year. I j- and like I said, if TK, Provy, Hart, Sanheim, Limblom, if all these dudes are better than they were last year, not even what we think they are, because what we think they are, you know, maybe we just always over-project on these guys and very few players ever hit that sort of ceiling. But if they're just better then, yeah, they have a pretty damn good roster capable of making another playoff run. But I just, I don't know. I don't see, like, I don't see them beating great teams. So here's just one thing that I'm going to say that kind of agrees with you. Um, I, and I want to acknowledge that I don't agree with you, but here's one of the... <laughs> I, I'm fucking shocked you don't points. agree with me, honestly, Steph. Shocking. Fucking shocked. I, I think that... There is a point to be made that the Flyers' depth is not as good as we all thought it was. I think we're absolutely seeing that our projected prospects, who we all love and have watched since they were, you know, 12-year-old boys, 
are not as good as we thought they were. And that's okay. That's part of the lottery system. That's part of developing talent. That's part of drafting talent. But I, I think that that's okay to say. I don't think it's okay to say that the team made zero moves to improve themselves for five years. Yeah. From 2013 to 2018, they did they like, things didn't. to get better? JVR is Listen, really the only one. JVR was I don't remember that time frame. <laughs> so... Fair. I'm going to say it's not fair. So here's the thing. Wait, they got rid of Braden Shen in that time, didn't they? That did. Oh, well, obviously they fucked up. They fucked up. So here's the thing. Continue. Braden not Shen, every winner. not every good NHL team has an elite player on its roster. And the ones that do drafted them. So if you want to do a whole ass thing where we relitigate our anger at Ron Hextall for dropping the ball draft wise, like, okay, cool. That's fine. But like, that seems fruitless and annoying. That seems like the kind of shit you see on Twitter. I don't need that on our very good hockey podcast. We don't have, we could do that, but we would just need a couple hours. It's just, we don't know what this roster is. We don't know if it's good enough to beat good teams. We don't know if it's good enough to beat the top teams. We don't know if it's going to be a top team. We have no fucking idea. Nobody does. We don't know if it's good enough to beat bad teams. But the th- exactly. Like, the <laughs> thing is, like, the, the teams that are in your head, like an avalanche or a Vegas, they got all of those elite players through drafts. We didn't do that. It's a lottery ticket, as yeah, stuff just traded for Morkstone. We lost the lottery every single time. That's true. That the Flyers should have done. But like you said... Hextall wasn't Should doing have. anything for a number of years to improve the team. And, and that's a, a thing to rightfully be annoyed by. But it's like done now and we Fuck don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah, it is and what I'll- it is. Chuck has done the best with what he was given when he got here. And, and to build off that point, we are not screaming from the rooftops enough. That Chuck Fletcher went out and got Ryan, Ryan Ellis, fucking for Ellis fucking nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And that like he paid was- nothing. Like we are so caught up on Ristolainen that we're not screaming about Ryan Ellis as a Flyers. Like, can we just dedicate because- the rest of the offseason to Ryan Ellis being a Flyers for two prospects that were never going to fit in? Well, I guess they were they were roster players. Well, I mean, they would have fit anymore. Myers would have fit Myers, in. It's yeah, just Myers he's not as good as Ryan Ellis. Right. Ryan Ellis. Like, Ryan Ellis is a Flyers. Now I'm remembering. This is, like, that. if if that was all Chuck had done this offseason, it would have been a success. But he's done above and beyond what we expected of him. Oh, this whole roster's brand new. I started off saying I like the offseason, and I'm optimistic about what it could be. And then you shit all over it. I'm not shitting. I see your notes. I'm not shitting. Maybe it's a light. You're doing a poop. Maybe it's a light (laughs) fart. It's not a shit. All right? (laughs) <laughs> it's a light fart. Like I, I, I think it could. I think it could be good, and I'm not trying to relitigate all that because it is over with. You're right, Kelly. We need to move on. And like, I like Ristolainen. I'm one of the people who thinks the off season was better than other people because I like Rasmus Ristolainen somewhat. Well, I don't think he's all. I don't think he's going to the fucking All Star game or anything. I just, <laughs> I like him. Uh, I just, what I'm trying to build towards is the idea of is there now room for sustainable growth? Now, like, listen, I only am concerned about this year, and if they go out and win the fucking cup, I don't care if they fold the team. 
Uh, go ahead. I'll find some other podcast to host. I'll do lacrosse or something. Bring them to Atlanta yeah. and we'll all be fine. Yeah, they'll be back. Um, but since they're probably not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, because every team probably isn't, and also, like, they're probably not good enough, you, I, it's hard not to project ahead a little bit and think, all right, gee... Couturier, and now Ristolainen, who miss, makes a shit ton. Their contracts are all up at the end of the year. Is there room for some sort of continued advancement of this roster if we're going to... They didn't give up a first-round pick for Rasmus Ristolainen not to bring him back. Like totally I'm operating gonna. under the assumption he's back, and he's back at like six and a half or seven million dollars. Like, and that's so, a shit ton. That's way too much money, but it is what it is, like we just said with Travis Sanheim. I, I mean... God, if they so here's like, the thing. If they give him that much, I'd we I'd gotta die. So Charlie just, would die. So we just Did you had hear a that conversation Death. about how nobody nobody's money goes down when they yeah. renewed. But but Rasmus Ristolainen has had quite a long time making five point seven or whatever the fuck he makes, uh, being real, real, real bad. So maybe they would be able to not give him a substantial raise and re-sign him? Like, I don't don't know. The thing I'll say about Ristolainen about that, if you're talking about, like, the idea of re-signing, whatever, if they're really serious about changing his role, you know, having him play a different, lesser role on the Flyers— his point totals are going to go down a lot mm-hmm. because the main reason, and like point totals in the end, like that's a big part of yeah. why defensemen get fade. Now, granted, like being six foot five and a good skater and right handed, that helps. That certainly gets you, you know, a boost in how much you're going to get paid. But the main two ways risk the line and scored points were number one, being on a power play with Jack Eichel. Number two, getting an insane amount of minutes at five on five because he was never that efficient of a scorer at no. five on five. He just got a ton of minutes. And if you're out there, there for long enough, you're you're going to get some secondary assists just by being on the ice a lot. Unless well, you're Nolan Patrick. Unless you're Nolan Patrick. Um, but like, if they do what I think, hope they're going to do with Ristolina, which is okay, you're not on the power play anymore. You're going to get second pair minutes which means he's probably not going to score a lot. And, like, if that happens, presumably he won't get paid that much. Like, if he, the whole reason why he got paid as much as he did at the time was because he was getting tons of minutes and was scoring lots of points. Well, if going into his next contract negotiation, he's getting fewer minutes and not scoring many points, if he's kind of, like, moved into almost, like, a supercharged Adam Larson-type role— I guess I'm expecting Ristolainen's next contract to probably be around what it is, what this one is, and which uh, still is more than I'd want to give him. But yes. like, man, if if he were if he went into negotiations, it was like I want six and a half, seven mil. Like I don't care how much you like him, I don't care how long Chuck Fletcher has wanted to trade for Russell Ristolainen. Like, you can't do that. You just can't do it. No, and even if you like him, my six and a half, seven. Honestly, that was an over projection because in my head I was thinking of Ellis's cap hit. Uh, and Ristolainen is 5.4. He's not in the sixes. So, like, regardless, it's going to be a lot of money. Like, if it's five, if it's six, what the fuck ever. I'm just saying, like, we just talked about Sanheim. Numbers don't go down. So, uh, maybe his does a bit because that's like a prime age contract. It's six years. It was an awful organization. Maybe now they they stretch out the term, all that. I'm just saying, 
is there room for the sustainable growth? Steph, you have to go. I just want to say this. I'm going to ask this question, then we can wrap. Um, it's an interesting question. Well, Steph, do you want to go first since you're on your way out? Yeah, um, I think, yes. Um, I don't, I don't have a good opinion on this, so I'll, I'm going to be late to my next meeting because I want to hear what you guys say and I can respond. <laughs> Um, I'll jump in then, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think there is, there is potential for sustainable growth, but I do believe a lot of it is going to have to, and this is something we've been talking about for a while. A lot of it is going to come down to how the kids develop, you know, how, and not even like, you know, we talked about like how Travis Sanheim isn't a kid anymore. I'm talking about like the Joel therapies, especially talking about Carter Hart. Um, but even guys like Wade Allison, you know, guys who Oscar Limblom is, does he bounce back? I mean, that's where you've got some guys who theoretically could be on deals that look like steals. I mean, the heart deal could look like a steal if he bounces back and it's the same goalie he was in 2019, 2020. I mean, Joel Farabee, he'll get paid, but like, he'll get paid probably like connect me money, you know, when this contract is up with, at the end of this year, unless he like goes point per game this season, which I mean, hey, that's a good problem to have. Um, if Limblom bounces back, then he's on a good contract. Like they have the potential for good contracts, just they need these young guys to either bounce back or further develop. And it could happen. I mean, Morgan Frost could show up and be a 40 point guy. And then suddenly you've got, you know, probably a cheap guy on a bridge deal. And there's where you save money. That said, I mean, I have been looking at the, the cap situation for next season. And if they want to bring back Drew, we, we actually were talking about this in the, the Slack channel. If they want to bring back Drew and Gaturi, they pretty much have to move out somebody. Like, and especially if they want to sign back Ristolainen. But even if they don't want to sign back Ristolainen, they'll have to move somebody out. Like, and I would presume that somebody probably is JVR. It makes uh, you the know, most that, sense. That would make the most sense. He has, we would have one more year left on his deal at 7 mil. You find a way to move him out the way you found the way to move out Jake Voracek, and maybe there you go. I mean, I'm not saying this is going to happen because I think this offseason made it abundantly clear that they're invested in the idea of Kevin Hayes here long term. That said, his no movement clause does turn into a 10 team no trade clause after July 1st of next year. He's got a lot of money on his deal, too. So if he has another disappointing year, maybe he's a guy they look to, to clear. Like, so there's there's guys on this team who if you want to bring back Drew and Gaturier and you want to have any sort of flexibility whatsoever, you know, there's big money guys who maybe you look to, you know, move on from. And they would probably have to do that just to make the cap work because, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be up against it if they want to bring back Gaturier and Drew after the season, which I think they do. And I love spending to the cap. I don't need flexibility. I do, however, need just enough room for Johnny Gaudreau. Like, remember, forgot just about Johnny. Enough, but he's going to be here at the trade deadline, luckily, so it's fine. Luckily, he's a little guy, so you can you, you can fit him in places. You can put him in the overhead. Listen, I'm that's, that's completely how it works, convinced, right? completely convinced that he will be here at the trade I'm deadline. He's another one of the Kevin Hayes bros. Yeah, he's, a, he's all... another friend of Kevin uh -huh. Hayes. He's coming. And that's how we're going to wrap it up. It's all just building to Johnny. Like, that's the only logical conclusion. That's it. That's yep. why I asked that's the question it. about Kevin Hayes at the beginning. He's coming. What does it mean? And that's how we're going to wrap it up, Kelly. So I'm not being negative. I'm being positive to end this show. It all builds to Johnny. All right. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Hit that goddamn subscribe button. 
Leave us some reviews, say some good stuff, subscribe on multiple devices, create dummy accounts. Whatever you gotta do to help us con the system, uh, you should do it all. Vox, stop listening. Uh, that's it. Uh, the thing on the 25th, come to it at the Wells Fargo Center, uh, September 25th. It'll be a grand old time. I'm sure there'll be more details than me just saying come to it, uh, at some point or another. Uh, that's it. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready? Well, coots, there it is. Uh, about 53 minutes after hitting, uh, after hitting stop on the old BSH radio recording, uh, the Flyers tweeted a picture or a gif of Sean Couturier grinning, and there was only, you know, it, it seemed like a foreshadowing that they were about to announce an extension for Sean Couturier, and a few minutes later, they did! Uh, so we are back, just to kind of update things. Of course, Charlie O'Connor is busy uh, writing for that, uh, you know, little, little shop he is over shop he's at at The Athletic. But myself, Kelly, and Steph jumped back on because... Sean Couturier, eight years, 7.75 million average annual value. Well, that's done. After we were just talking about the cost certainty and the uh, see what what it's going to take to re-sign Sean Couturier, and along with Giroux and Ristolainen and what the cap hits are going to look like, we have a little bit of clarity. So how are we feeling uh, about the, uh, the announcement of this extension? What a fucking bargain. Chuck. Hot damn. You old so-and-so. That's, like, Charlie... It's hot Chuck summer, man. It really is. Like, Charlie just said, like, if you're listening to this in one piece, why wouldn't you? It's all the same recording for you. Um, (laughs) Like, Charlie just said, well, you know, I don't know if Chuck's gonna lowball guys. And, like, this isn't lowball. Like, he got eight years. He got the, you know, maximum term. Uh, But 7.75 is... I mean, it's still less than uh, than Claude Giroux's, you know, 8.25 or whatever the hell he makes. Um, it does feel like a bargain, right? It really does, and it feels like it's going to allow for a lot of flexibility. Like, we were super worried, I think, about what was going to happen after this season. Like, yeah. super worried. And this kind of gives them some flexibility, because you have to assume that Claude Giroux's cap hit's going to go down pretty significantly. And... Bill, you had said a thousand times, like, it'll be okay if they just flop cap hits, but this is, like, even better. Yeah, I just added it up because, you know, I'm great at math. Uh, The two have combined, over the course of their deals, they've combined for about a $12.6 million cap hit. Now, like, we've talked, like, okay, for the cap to work, maybe they just switch. Like, they have almost $5 million for Giroux just to keep their cap hits, like, combined the same. Like, I'm sure he's going to get over five, but I'm just saying it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge cap crunch to fit those two. Now they still have, you know, what we just talked about, Ristolainen, and uh, you know, down the line you're looking at Farabee. Sanheim was only signed for two years, but I, what do you think, Steph? This seems like, it seems pretty good. It's really fucking good. And people are concerned about the the term eight years and that he signed through the 2030 season. Bro, I couldn't care less. Not even a little I bit. I don't give a fuck about six years from now. I could give less of a fuck about how long he is signed for. It's a nice little bump for him. He had been making 4.3 for the past years. Feels you know, like 100 years, math. but yes. <laughs> that so th- it, that it's contract. a good bump for him. He's earned it. 
Um, I I love this. I think it's perfect. That contract feels like it was signed like as a Keith Primo replacement. Like it feels like it was fucking forever ago. It really does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. It, you know, they still have a. They're still gonna have to figure some things out. Like we were just saying. You know, JVR obviously uh, looks like the odd man out. If not now, then you know this time next year. By this time next year, I don't expect him to be in the in the Flyers organization. But I'm I'm just pleased that it's done and like we just talked I asked is there room for sustainable growth? It seems like there, there is, is now. Yeah, it seems like there is. And like yes, you're going to have to cut some corners in other places if you want to improve other areas, but assuming that Sean Couturier is the highest paid player, you know, by next season, mm-hmm. uh it could be worse. They could be in a worse cap situation. We got to see how it plays out. Maybe they're like, you know, Claude Giroux, your captain for life. Here's another $8 million. And that will be concerning when that happens. But I don't think it's going to. Um, do you think... Do you th- that Now that this got done, and we've been questioning, like, when do you think it'll get done? Do you think this means Giroux is just around the corner? Or do you think that... That's still a waiting game. I kind of feel like that one's going to take a little more time. I feel the opposite way. I All think right. that Claude Giroux is probably next on the docket. Um, and we know already that he wants to stay here. Oh, He's yeah, got the sure. two two little boys. So I, I think there's a really good chance that he gets it done for another long-term deal. Hometown discount. Um I don't know what the projections are, but if they keep him at or around $5 million, I'm happy. Yeah, that'll be great. I don't think it's or less below than... would also be great, but the man is still pivotal to the success of the organization, so I don't care. Depending on term, you know, obviously, like a longer deal, you do that to keep the cat hip, cap hit down. I don't see it being yeah. under $6 million. It would be surprising. Okay. I'm happy with that, too. Great. I wonder if, like the rest of us, Chuck is just rolling with the summer being like, you know what? We'll all be fucking dead in five years. Let's just go. And he's just going to give Claude Drew eight <laughs> no, years like, as well. He's like, I don't give year. a shit. Eight years for Claude Drew. Who cares? Uh, last, <laughs> last I checked cap friendly, there hadn't been any, uh, there hadn't been, and in the Flyers release, there was no talk of um, any sort of trade protections, no moves or anything. Have you seen anything like that? haven't seen it but no i I was just looking it up uh media availability is two o'clock so we'll hear more after then um we're not quite there yet um but cat friendly and and none of the the press releases have had anything about no move or no trade clauses is this do you think this got done before Giroux because it's the number one priority or because it's just an easier deal. Like, you're our 1C. We want you here a long time. You're still in your 20s. Like, is it just easier? Or is it because Sean Couturier needed to get done before Claude Giroux? I think it's probably a combination. I mean, obviously, at this point, Sean Couturier, apart from Carter Hart, should he prove to actually be a very good goaltender, is arguably our most important piece. So obviously you want to get that locked up. But also I feel like his contract was going to kind of set the bar for what 
Claude Giroux's contract could be. Yeah. And I feel like Claude Giroux is the kind of guy where if for some reason, like if Couturier had to be paid more or if, you know, something happened that, you know, Chuck couldn't get, I mean, under 8 million is ridiculous. I feel like Claude Mm -hmm. is the kind of player that would probably play ball with the organization to sign a contract that would fit under the cap just to get a contract on. Like, obviously, within reason. Like, he's not going to sign for three and a half million just because it fits in the cap. But I feel like if it was a difference between, it would be cool. Like, if it was a difference between like six and a half and like 6.75 or something, like, I feel like he's going to be cool getting a little bit less because I feel like he really, really, really wants to win here, which is great for us. And, and I think just to to circle back on the points that we made in the other the other podcast, the first mm-hmm. version of this recording, the first hour. Sean Couturier is our homegrown elite talent, and this contract brings him to the end of his career probably, and he'll retire a flyer. And I think that that's amazing. Oh. And I, I I can't I can't think of anyone more other than Claude Giroux. So Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier. They deserve to end their career as Flyers after having won about three Stanley Cups. Three is a good number. I would yeah. take half of one. <laughs> just half a Stanley yeah, Cup. I would. Just, just to the be bowl. fair, I would like. I would like a whole one. Yeah, honest. no, the whole one would be best. Uh, Kelly, oh. you just said like sets the bar, and that's what I wanted to ask before because this is just we're just you know tying up a loose end here. Um, you said sets the bar. Do you believe like? Like, the way Giroux signed his contract, and then that was the max. Like, no one's going to make more than Claude Giroux. Do you think this now shifts to, like, okay, Couturier's our highest paid... Obvi- like, you know, they sign a, a superstar player in free agency. It's going to cost more than this. But, like, do you think now everything just kind of slots in? Like, it's more than Hayes. It's more than JVR. We'll see where, you know, it's more than Ellis. It's more than Provy. Is this where, like, he's our guy? Like, is, is that what they're saying here? I, I don't know I, if I'm phrasing this right. No, I, I get what you're saying. I think everybody else will get what you're saying, too. I think so, although I could plausibly see if Carter Hart puts up, you know, a 920, 9.30 for the three years that we've got him under this current contract, it's reasonable to think that he might get paid more than 7.75. And if that's the case... I'm going to be fine with someone having to figure out how to make that work. But otherwise, I would agree with you. Yeah, this is the new Claude Giroux contract. No one's going to make more than Sean Couturier, which is good because checks. I mean, I obviously want the players to make as much money as they can. But with the cap, what it is, Chuck set a low bar. So all of the signings that the Flyers have to do going forward can be kind of made relative to that one. And that might make things a little bit easier. I don't know, to be really honest, I don't know if it is. So it's, I'm comparing it to like the William Penn statue at the top of City Hall and how no building was able to be taller than that for a while. I don't know whether that's going to hold for all eight years of this contract. I think a lot of things in the NHL could change in the next eight years. And I think that it's absolutely plausible that, someone will come in and make more than Sean Couturier. And I think that's okay. As long as the cap continues to go yeah. up. And like, uh, I, I think that right now and for the foreseeable future, it will be the, the biggest contract for the flyers, but that's a lot of time. I think there's, a, and there's a lot of room for 
some really elite talent to come in, especially after they win the first two cups. Sure. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and like, um, like Giroux, you know, he gets that deal, and then, you know, Voracek gets slightly less than that, and like, that was the standard. Those were also like prime age contracts. Like, this will be the phasing towards the end. Like, in a few years, Sean Couturier will no longer be in that, that prime area, you know? So, bringing someone else in at a higher rate, like... All right, yeah, because you're 32 now. You're 33 now. You're not 29. So it's, I can, yeah, in a few years, I can see that standard um, changing. But right now, man, I just want to see. We're going to end and they're going to announce Giroux. That's like my fear right now. (laughs) Like, I'm just sitting here waiting, looking at my phone, and like, all right, um,. When they announce in G, because it's going to be as soon as we so hit stop. So I'm going to go ahead and say it's not happening today, only because <laughs> they already set media availability okay. with Chuck, Brassard, and Couturier for today and tomorrow. So I think that we're good at least until the weekend. Drew kicks yeah, in on. the door in the middle of the presser and he's like, <laughs> I signed too. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about me. It's G. Chuck's like, with who? <laughs> I'm in here. <laughs> Holmgren's like, I did it. It was me. Claude just holds up a handwritten one-page <laughs> contract that he signed with, like, a red pen. <laughs> with, like, a red crayon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got anything else about this here? I don't think so. I'm, I'm really, really pumped. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. No, I'm, I'm happy it's done. I'm happy we got some certainty. I'm... I'm just, I know Drew's going to get announced in like an, in 20 minutes. Like, no. it's just, no, I think they, they're I'm telling you it's not happening. All right. That's fine. Friday it'll news be, dump. It'll be next week when we record next week and then they'll wait 20 minutes and then Claude Giroux will be Yeah, announced. it feels right. That feels right. Yeah, it was like 12.53 they put out that gif of uh, Couturier and I was like, we stopped less than an hour ago. <laughs> less <laughs> than an hour ago. All right, that's really... They did this with what? Ghosts, too, right? When Ghosts was traded? Oh, that did happen. I feel like multiple things this summer have happened on Thursday after we've wrapped. Is it because we record in the mornings now? Is that why? It's because we're... it could be. We're very important, and so time revolves around us. Obviously. That's true. Obviously. All right, this is the for real ending, guys. Uh, You can enjoy the, uh, the actual outro music now. Uh, For Steph, for Kelly, Charlie, I'm sure, is pounding away at that keyboard. My name is Bill. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!